Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And over the last several years, well, actually more than that, over the 48 years, I've spent considerable amount of time in hospitals, rehab centers, and nursing homes, visiting brethren and others for various reasons. I'd like to talk to you in this episode about some lessons that I have learned in the hospitals, in the nursing homes, and in those rehab centers. One of the things that I have learned, and I really didn't need hospitals to know this, is that there is a tremendous amount of suffering in the world. Over the years, I have known so many faithful children of God who have suffered pain and infirmities for long periods of time. I don't know exactly why. I don't even understand all that I do know about suffering, except that it is common to man and apparently is the lot of the human family. We're told in Job chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. I do believe that the Bible indicates that ultimately Satan is responsible for all suffering, that he is the author of all sickness and disease. It was Satan who brought the temptation upon Eve and Adam that led to their fall. If it was not for their sin, precipitated by the temptation of Satan, I don't believe there would have been any sickness, any disease, or even any death. In the book of Job, it is clearly pointed out that Satan was responsible for the afflictions and sufferings that Job endured. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, Paul wrote, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, he, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Because of this, I have learned that God is not responsible for suffering and illness. Something else I've learned in the hospitals came about as I have marveled at the patient endurance of so many people, including many of my brethren. I know that their faith over the years has made me and others who witnessed it stronger. And I know that that is one way that God designed it to work. If you are happen to follow along in your Bible and you're still in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's reread verse 7 and go on through verse 10. Paul wrote, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, 
then I am strong. Outside of Jesus Christ, I cannot think of one meaningful purpose that would be served by suffering. But in Christ, when a brother or sister patiently endures their suffering, they are a living sermon, better and more eloquent testimony to the truth of the gospel of Christ than I could ever be from any pulpit. This I have learned in the hospitals. I have also learned in the hospitals, or perhaps I should say learned much better, that the human body is a marvel of God's design and illustrates his infinite power and wisdom, and that by comparison, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. In Job chapter 10, verses 8 through 12, we find the following. Your hands fashioned and made me altogether, and would you destroy me? Remember now that you made me as clay, and would you turn me into dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews? You have granted me life and loving kindness, and your care has preserved my spirit. Let's go to Psalm 139 and look at verses 12 through 16. Again, that's Psalm 139, verses 12 through 16, where we find these words. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. The point is that God made us. The human body with all of its systems, its nerves, its veins, its arteries, its various organs, and on and on, is a marvel of design that should leave us in absolute awe of the wisdom and majesty of God. I have been in intensive care units, coronary care units, intermediate care units, transitional care units, and even isolation units where it was necessary to wear a cap, gown, mask, and gloves, and every other kind of unit that cost thousands of dollars a day. I have seen my fellow Christians and other friends wired up and hooked to all kinds of machines and monitors, heard the various beeps, the buzzes, and the words. The point of all of it was to ultimately return the patient to normal again, to return them to the way that God originally made us. Medical science has spent billions of dollars on research to develop artificial organs and so on that at the very best work only imperfectly and only temporarily. If you spend time in the hospital, a person has just got to marvel and praise God for the beauty of function and design of the human body that he created, realizing that most of the people who enter the hospitals leave those hospitals in much better shape. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 tells us, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. I have learned from all of the time spent in hospitals that God answers prayer. 
I know there is a tendency among some to react very negatively if God does not answer prayers immediately or if he doesn't answer them in exactly the way we would like to have them answered. They may say or think, well, God doesn't love me, or God doesn't care about me, or God isn't there to hear my prayers. But God does care. He is there, and I know that he answers prayers. Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. There's the parable of the unjust judge in Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 1 and going through the first part of verse 8, we find the following. Now he was telling them a parable to show that all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Concerning our prayers, it seems to me that God may respond to them in one of three ways. He may say yes. We find in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14-15, This is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. God may also say no. We've already seen that Paul prayed three times to have his thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, whatever it was, removed from him, and the answer was no. In the garden, Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. In a sense, the answer was no. The cup did not pass. Sometimes the Father, who knows our every need before we do, and who knows what is best for us, says no. Then again, God may say, wait. Maybe this is the hardest of all. No one likes to wait, but I know this. I have seen good, faithful Christians suffer and struggle in those hospitals over long, long periods of time, never wavering and remaining constant in their prayers. If they teach us anything, hospitals teach us that the godly must wait in faith. We walk by faith and we live by faith. I love the way Isaiah put it in Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 through 31 when he wrote the following. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Going right along with this, I have learned from time spent in the hospitals the truthfulness of what I have already known. 
The fervent prayer of a good man, a faithful Christian, accomplishes so much. Many of us are familiar with James chapter 5 and verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That would be not be there if it were not true. We can and should come before the throne of God in prayer on behalf of others, and we are assured that when we do, the prayer will be effective. I could write a book and fill it with accounts of seriously ill, critically ill, faithful children of God. Children of God concerning whom it just did not seem that there was any way they were going to make it. And they did. And literally thousands of prayers had been offered on their behalf. Others did not physically survive, but they remained faithful and strong, facing their death with courage and confidence, and in that way, thousands of prayers were answered. Prayer is powerful. That is the very point James was making when he continued on in chapter 5 with verses 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Over the years I have stood in so many hospital rooms and have heard faithful Christians with pure hearts offering prayers of faith, nothing wavering, by the authority of Jesus Christ and in complete submission to the Father's will, and I know that those prayers have been answered. I have learned in the hospitals, or perhaps it would be better to say that I've come to appreciate more because of the time spent in the hospitals and the nursing homes, that Jesus died on the cross so that we can have hope. If you are a Christian, a faithful Christian according to the New Testament, you can face any serious illness, any major surgery, I'll tell you what, if you're a faithful Christian, you can face anything with peace of mind that comes only from being in Christ. Please don't misunderstand me. That does not mean we won't be scared, worried, even downright afraid at times. But deep down inside, even in the face of the shadow of death, we can walk right through that valley with Jesus. I know when I'm talking to a sick, faithful brother or sister, that if it is the Lord's will that they pull through, they will pull through. And please don't ask me to explain that. But if it should be the case that they do not, then I know that that is okay too, and that I can explain. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, the following, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in this flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. I know that the promises of God are great, they are wonderful, and they are true. Finally, from the years spent in hospitals and nursing homes, I have learned that we have to have courage to win. We must have faith. We must persevere. David wrote in Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. I have also learned that we do not have to do it alone. 
when we are brought low, when we are sick and our body is letting down, sometimes courage falters. It happened to Elijah when he was under the juniper tree in 1 Kings 19. He was tired and he was depressed. When we are ill, we need God's help. And he has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. We need our family and we need our faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. I have seen the faith of a brother or sister just light up when their spouse came into the hospital room. I've seen the husband and wives refuse to leave the side of their sick mate. I've seen the courage. I have seen the faith. Someday, and I don't know when, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Let me tell you, those words from Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4 are true and faithful. I hope you found this to be comforting. Thanks for listening.